Hello and welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Ali Moreno, Stevie Nicol and myself, Kay Murray here. Lots coming up on the show, but we will start in La Liga, where Barcelona took on Girona, who came into the game ahead of them in the table for the first time in Liga history. They took the lead as well in the 12th minute through Artem Dovbig before Robert Lewandowski found the equaliser before the 20th minute. But then just before half-time, Miguel found himself in a lot of space to put Girona 2-1 up. In the second half, in the 80th minute, Valerie Fernandez made it 3-1, and that goal came all away from the goalkeeper Gazaniga. Barcelona leaving so much space throughout this game, but Ilkay Gundogan did make sure to get one back on the board in the 92nd minute, and you wondered if Barcelona could rally to at least get a draw. Lewandowski struck wide in the 93rd in a big chance for him, and in the 95th, it would actually go Girona's way, even more so with Stuani scoring a fourth for the Catalan side. Here's what it means in the standings. Girona, sole leaders ahead of Real Madrid. Barcelona and Atleti level on points in third and fourth, but Atleti have played a game less than Barcelona. As for Girona, it really is a historic time for them because they are the first La Liga team to be outside of the top three, top of the table, in first place in La Liga this late into the season since the 2006-2007 season when Sevilla did it. Half-time, Luis Garcia, who's joining us now. You were pretty fine. You were pretty happy with what you'd seen from Barcelona, even though they were trailing. How do you feel at full-time? Okay, okay, let me rephrase what I said <laughs> half-time. I was happy. But what I, what I saw up front, I think that Barcelona was creating, was very dynamic and intense. They were making a, a good pressure because uh, they were committing so many players in the, in the pitch of Girona. So they very soon re regained the ball and attack again. But uh, I'm not talking about the defense. And Ali uh, made a fantastic points about when uh, Barcelona was in transition in defense. There were so many options for, for Girona. So many spaces open, so many people just ball watching. And not at all when when uh, Ali was mentioning about when someone is with the ball under control, you cannot uh, allow the the, the the ball just to pass you and run to the space to make the challenge and allow the, the your your opponent to go into the space. When you are defending, normally what you are trying to send uh, the message of my defense is going to be outside of the box in that line. In defense of Barcelona, it was uh, sitting back deeper and deeper, yes, waiting for the opponents to arrive in front of you so that nobody was closing down. And we've seen it only once, twice, but three or four locations. And Miguel Gutierrez today was three times, and we are talking about a fullback or a wingback, into the box, a low and free to make the challenge. So that's the kind of mistakes that we, we, we've seen in Barcelona and why Barcelona is not being consistent. Last year, they were so strong because Barcelona in the first were very good. Everyone was defending, everyone was focused, and the intensity at the back, it was always there. In the last goal of, uh, of Girona today, no one is paying attention, or the ball is stopped. It's a, a free kick, and no one is paying attention, or the people is running. And that's something that Xavi needs to, to pay attention on and to be concerned, because if they continue like this, now it's seven points by, on Girona and five of Real Madrid. Barcelona needs to continue playing in Champions League, needs to continue playing in La Liga and in the Copa del Rey very soon. So when you are in all the competitions, if you don't pay attention to this kind of moment, you're going to struggle to be ready to challenge for La Liga at the end of the season. Ah, Barcelona, let me just tell you, for all the good things that they did last week against Atletico Madrid, all of that goodwill that they may have built after that performance and after that result, more importantly, 
all of that is gone today. Today was a critical match for them and a must-win game for them in so many different levels. And just as important as it is the points, which is obvious to see the standings and the difference that these three points make both for Girona and for Barcelona, it's the feeling about the team. The feeling that Girona, who's an afterthought in Catalonia and has been an afterthought in Catalonia over the course of whatever, whenever this club has been around in the first division in La Liga, you don't think of Girona when you think of Catalonia. You, you don't. And whoever says, oh, no, 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 they've been here alone. No, 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 no. People that are talking about Girona are talking about Girona because of this season and what they have done this season. They have been an afterthought in La Liga. Just another team. A cute story with a cute stadium from a cute city. But now, right now, where we stand, Girona are not only the best team in Catalonia, they're the best team in La Liga, in all of Spain. So to them, credit. As to for Barcelona, I go back to those feelings. When you're now second best to the other team, the other team, the other team that is supposed to be looking up to you because you're, piety, you're, you're mighty and powerful Barcelona, you, you are supposed to be the point of reference. You're no longer the point of reference in Catalonia. It, it, it is Girona because that's what we see in the performance and that's what we see in the games. And so how as a team, if you're Xavi and you're the players, how is it that you show up the next day with, with certainty that things are going to turn around? What do you base that on? What, where do you find the confidence to show up and say, no, 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 guys, look, this is just a bad patch. We're going to be okay. Based on what? Because we're seeing the same defensive mistakes today that we have seen over the course of the whole season. And that hasn't been addressed. The four goals they allowed today are juvenile mistakes. Juvenile mistakes. This, this, is, this is U16, U15 sort of thing. The third goal, it's shameful stuff. It's a punt from the goalkeeper. A punt that they don't get on the first challenge, they don't get on the second challenge. The attempt at a challenge by Kunde is embarrassing, and I have a defender here who at his time was a world-class defender. He would tell you how embarrassing of a challenge that was. And they give up a goal. And, and, the, you, and you know what's worse than anything? Nobody seems to care. For the very part of that second half, it, who was creating the better chances? Girona were. And who was trailing in the game? Barcelona was. And who's at home? Barcelona. And whose responsibility is to play well at home and win games at home? Barcelona. Who was it a must-win game? Barcelona. Did they show that attitude? Absolutely not. It wasn't until the last five minutes when they got desperate all of a sudden. It's like, oh, okay, now we're going to play. Now we're going to create chances. Now we're going to get a scoring opportunity for Lewandowski. It's all too late. You didn't deserve it over the course of the game. Girona, well done. Uh, what about Xavi's thoughts on his defensive lineup and the formation in the second half there, Luis, given what we'd seen in the first half as well? No, I, what you're trying to build a, a trust in that defense, and we've seen it because he's been uh, repeating uh, the, this formation for the last three games. So what he's trying to do is to give them the, the, the confidence to, to, to build like we, we saw last year. And we can tell on the left side, is something is going to happen all the time. It's something that Barcelona needs to be aware. He's a player who is out of position. He's a player who is not really a, a defender. In If we talk about a strong defender, very defensive, he's a player who is going to add into the midfield, he's going to add things up front. So there is another player who is not defending. So the last, the other three is something that you have to uh, get ready to, to, to run, get ready to, to press, get ready to have some intensity. And we haven't seen that. The mistake of Christian saying the first goal, starting from that, the rest of the team is, is, is lacking of that. 
there is there, there is not a team in confident in defense. This one here, the, the guy have been talking, when you are playing man-to-man, -man, because that's the way Barcelona is, is playing in the last uh, stages of the game, you know that you cannot allow to, uh, 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 to, the, to the striker to even receive it. That push is, is really embarrassing. He's a player who you know from the national team. He's a player who you know that is going to be a tough one. You have to go in the end, and if not, just make a fall. But you cannot allow just to touch it without even uh, make a challenge. So Chavis, of course, knows it. Uh, Kunde knows it, but he's arrived late, doesn't even hold to the defense. So, so many mixes in one line that shows a little bit what this Barcelona looks like. At the moment, very creative up front, not end product, but definitely in defense. So many problems that they, it's going to be difficult to, to fix in the coming weeks. Stevie found that hard to watch back again there. Uh, Horrendous. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know who's more at fault, Koundé, because he's the last mm. attempted challenge, or Cancelo, who just had, he, either had no idea that he was there or just didn't want to chase him. There is one thing, though, that I can't help. It's stuck in my head. And, and, and when we should be talking about how fantastic Girona were, I can't help thinking that in the 94th minute, mm -hmm. a guy who was the greatest centre-forward on the planet has a free header six yards from goal to, to steal a point and misses the header and hits his shoulder. I mean, when he scored his first goal, everybody's, well, you know, the, the drought's over, and uh -huh. you know, people are saying, people are saying he's gone, and, and where's the real Lewandowski? Well, that's all forgotten now, because the only thing that people will be thinking is that attempted header, they could have stole a point. I mean, that, I can't get that out of my head. I just, I just don't believe I saw it. That's how bad a header, that's how bad an attempt that this was. Okay, we're showing you the table now and mm -hmm. take a look at the top four teams in that table of which Barcelona are still there right now. Girona, Real Madrid, Atleti and Barcelona. We want percentages on who's going to win the league here. Okay. Let me start with you, LA. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's not Barcelona and I don't think it's Atletico Madrid either. So then it comes down to Girona and Real Madrid. I don't think, if you had sat down Mitchell, the coach for Girona before the season, and you had told them, best case scenario, where are you going to be two weeks away from Christmas in this league? Well, I tell you, we certainly hope that we're somewhere in European competition positions, maybe perhaps sneaking into a top four position. I think that perhaps that's our best. Maybe that's what we should push for. But quite frankly, I think somewhere in Europe would be great for us. Best case scenario. Best, best case scenario. They're in first place. And deservedly so. Deservedly so. It's not going to last. It's not going to last. It's too good of a story to last. Is this going to be Leicester? I don't quite think so. And I don't think so because eventually Vinny Jr. is going to come back from injury. Eventually Real Madrid is going to get a string of results together. And this is the part that I think addresses some of the needs and wants for Girona. I think in terms of their depth, there are going to be issues as this season goes on. And if they have a bad injury or if they have key players that fall off, then who comes in and makes a difference for them? The, the difference, I think, in the long run from both Girona 
and Real Madrid is that I think Real Madrid has a know-how and an experience to be in that moment, to know what that moment feels like. I'm going to give the percentage of 75% to Real Madrid, 25% Girona, Atletico Madrid and Barcelona. Thanks for coming. This is not your year. But you're saying Girona are the best challengers to Real Madrid for the title and this season. Well, yeah. They're the only challengers mm. to Real Madrid this season. What do you say, Luis? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm very surprised because we, have, we, we are not even in half of the season. So I'm, I'm not sure if uh, saying that Barcelona and Atletico Madrid are not going to be fighting is, uh, is the right call. I, I guess uh, the Hali knows knows uh, uh, something that I don't know because I know that Real Madrid is going to draw points. I know that Atletico Madrid is going to draw points. I know that Barcelona is going to draw points because there's still so many games to be played. And I know that Girona is going to draw points probably because that team is not built to, for success. It's not built to be a winner of La Liga. And at the end of the season, when the things are getting closer and the pressure starts getting higher and higher because that's the way that the players are going to feel it, Kind of what happened with Arsenal in Premier League no long ago. In the last part of the season, legs start getting a little bit shaky. People start feeling not wanting the ball, not doing the same things. And of course, the things not happening the way that we are seeing right now. But for me, I think that Atletico Madrid looks stronger to, 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 to fight for Real Madrid for the, for the challenge. And Real Madrid, let's for, don't forget, it's just a couple of games and you are back into the race. And I don't think that Barcelona, with the squad that they have, we can put it out of the race because definitely there's still a lot to, to be done and for, for all the teams up front. All right. Well, time will tell. But so far, Girona has... No percentage. I, I had to give percentages. I had to give numbers. Huh? <laughs> I see. I, I haven't been asked. I haven't been asked about percentages. Oh, okay. That's a whole That's a whole lot of dancing is what that yeah. is. Would you, care to give, would you care to give us a percentage then, Luis? <laughs> you want percentage? I'm going to give 50% to, to Girona. And I'm going to give to the other ones the rest of it. Don't make me count because it's quite late here in, in uh, Vietnam. Uh, ah, okay. That's how we got around that one. Okay. You. Well, time will tell. But as it stands, Girona are leaders at the top of La Liga. Thanks so much to Luis Garcia for being with us. We'll have more reaction from the Barcelona-Girona game coming up later in the show. Be sure to stick around for that. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. 
Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Spurs ended their five-game winless run with a 4-1 thrashing of Newcastle at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday. Destiny Odogi opened the scoring in the first half. Richarlison struck twice on what was his first start since October. Gunmin Son, who was the star man, scored from the spot after assisting two of the four goals. And you wonder if Tottenham are now back on track. The win keeps Spurs within three points of the top four, three clear of sixth place Manchester United. Newcastle now sits seven points off fourth place in sevenths. All right, Frank LeBuff joining us here mm. to talk more about what we saw today. So what do you say, Stevie? Spurs back on track? Listen, there's no question that it was a fantastic, open, attacking, swashbuckling, goal-scoring performance from Tottenham. I mean, you, you just... You just can't see anything other than that about the performance. The only question is, you have to realistically look at the opposition. You know, Newcastle are just running on empty. I'll give you a perfect example of how, how tough this is, is for Newcastle. You've got a 17-year-old kid in Lewis Miley who has played six games back to back to back to back to back. I think that was six. <laughs> to back. In, to back. In the Champions League and the Premier League. And he's 17 years old. That's what they're up against. And so, yes, it was fantastic from Tottenham. But the truth is, it was, it was the football gods gave this game to, to Tottenham today. Because they were up against a side who didn't have any legs. And, and it showed. But yes, fantastic from Tottenham. But I'm not so sure I'm ready to say they're back. Are they back, Frank, for you? Well, hopefully for Spurs fans, yes. But uh, you know what? I remember that that uh, Neil Neil uh, Isaac, without uh, a fantastic uh, tackle from Davis, uh, could have scored and easily scored the first goal. And uh, Admiron also had a, a very good chance to score. At, I think it was uh, one nil, uh, not one nil done for for the Magpies. So it could have been another story. But I have to agree with the guys. I mean, it was a fantastic game to watch first. I think Newcastle tried to come back at the beginning of the second half, but overall it was a deserving uh, result. And I, I love so much the way that they think the game, how the coach, you know, prepared the, the players and changed the players since uh, the, the few seasons that we saw where Tottenham were only thinking about defending. What we see is so refreshing that we want them to be uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a race in a, in a, and, and being able to maybe get something out of it. I think it's maybe too, too early and you have to respect the others. And when you see Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal and, uh, and maybe Aston Villa that you have to consider after the result that we saw, you know, saying that Tottenham can, can, can be in, a, in top four will be maybe not respecting the others and the work they do. Ange Postacoglu was full of praise for Richarlison in the 11 today, making a difference as well. That's nothing but a good sign for Spurs. Absolutely. And... You want your strikers to be confident, and this will do wonders for him. But it, it wasn't just the goals. When he scores the second goal, 
who wins the ball back initially for Spurs? It's Richarlison. So there you have a player that then is buying into the idea of Ange Postecoglou and what he wants this team to do. We're going to be high pressing. You need your strikers to press the ball. You need your strikers to regain possession of the ball or at the very least force the next pass to be the wrong one so that then our second line can win that ball. Well, what we saw today from Richardson in that sequence of play was he drops off wins the ball back, wins the possession, and then finds himself in a position in which he can attack the ball. And eventually, that ball gets to Hyun-Ming Song, who takes on Kevin Trippian. And, and if you're anybody who's anybody in the game right now, currently, go ahead and take on Kevin Trippier because he just doesn't have the legs to stay with you. Regardless, Richardson follows up the play and is rewarded with a goal. That, I think, is important. That it's not just the goals, it's that the all-around game for Richardson today was really good. Uh, yeah, continuing to heap the praise on Spurs out, if I can, I do have to mention Hyunmin Son because obviously he has really stepped up in the absence mm. of Harry Kane. Yep. We saw him calling his team out last week, saying they were soft and it was unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And today he was standout as well. Yeah, and, uh, and I guess for Postacoglu, this is perfect because had Richardson not delivered today, then he would have had to move Son back into the middle of the park where, he's, where he has been. But we saw how dangerous and how good Son is on that left. The same way he was when Kane was playing through the middle. So for Postacoglu now, he can, he can, at least for the next game, he knows exactly what his front three is going to be. And it's going to be Son on the left. And Richardson, no question, will start the next game up top. So going back to the Newcastle point, then, if we can, Frank, obviously it's really hard to draw too many conclusions with them, given the situation that they find themselves in with all these injuries. They're, yes, and it's, uh, it's sad in a way because you can feel that the spirit is still there. They want to fight, they, uh, they, they work hard, but they're getting tired and they're getting out of numbers uh, in terms of, uh, of uh, individuals. So the players are doing great. I mean, I, I discover Livermento or Miley, and they are top players, but if you want to fight for, for the top four, you need more. And of course, with all the players injured, well, Longstaff just maybe came back, so Wilson as well. So, but it's, and I said that already in the last show, I think they lost something from last season, maybe a little bit of luck in terms of uh, uh, players being fit all together. And now, when you have too many players injured, and it's almost the full squad, a uh, full team, sorry, uh, it's it's hard to cope with the situation. And the players are getting tired. Tired, you can see they they hardly change the pace of the game because they're not capable of doing that anymore. So it's it's harsh, I would say, and 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 sad in a way because we we loved the spirit that we saw from the Magpies last season, and it's almost impossible to uh, to replicate what we what we saw. Man City came back from a goal down against Luton to win 2-1 thanks to goals from Bernardo Silva and Jack Grealish, both which came in the second half after Elijah Adebayo had given Luton a shock lead in first half stoppages. Pep admitted, Stevie, that at half-time he'd had to tell his team not to feel sorry for themselves because he said that he felt that they had that sinking feeling with the way the first half ended and with the way things have been going. Yeah, they must have come in the dressing room with that sort of body language that made them think that because actually I thought I thought they moved the ball better in the first half than they did the second half. Mm. But the reason they get the result was grit and determination. Mm. You know, it's, we, we've, we've been talking so, for so long about how great Man City are at passing the ball, how, how great the players are. 
It's all the, all the nice things about football. But today, they had to dig against a, a Luton side. The conditions, the size of the field, the way that Luton play the game, it was always going to be about desire. And that was the question. And they answered the question. You know, it wasn't fancy. The two goals, in some ways, they get the, the bounce of the ball. But sometimes you, you, you earn the luck and you deserve it. And I thought they deserved to win this game just because determination, commitment, that, that's what got them on the points at the end of the day. A deserved win for you, Frank? Excuse me? Was it a deserved win for Manchester City? I don't know. I think I think Luton has been has been tough to to big teams like Arsenal and and uh, and today Manchester City. I think it's never easy, and we say that a lot in the Premier League. But I think there are some doubts in uh, in some players' head uh, at Manchester City. Um, they did what they had to do. Sometimes you need a bit. You need a little bit of luck. Overall, you know, not saying that City. Uh, deserve to win would be a little bit of a craziness. I think, I think they did what they had to do. Sometimes it's not that easy. We expect them to to trash uh, uh, Luton 5-0 because that's maybe the, the the differences between the two clubs. But you know you have to respect the, the opponent and uh, and sometimes it's hard to win even uh, even against Luton. And uh, you just get the three points to go back home. And you think about the next game, that's the most important thing. And we're going to take a look at the title odds because I want to actually put this to you, Ale. Okay. Uh, Pep's also said that it's normal to say City aren't the same and it's over. Mm. Let's prove them wrong. Okay. That there's this whole feeling that, oh, maybe City aren't going to win the league, but are that many people actually saying that? We're looking at the odds here right now. I don't, I don't know how many people are saying that, but what I would say is that I think today, going into halftime, it was a critical time for Manchester City. They're losing the game 1-0. They have been winless in the month. They're having difficulties finding consistency in their game, finding results. And for them to dig and to grind, which is, I think, what they did in the second half, just grind and grind themselves into a result, I think maybe this pushes them forward. Manchester City, I think, are still the favorites. But we need to see continuity in their game, consistency in their game, control in their game, actually controlling the match with the quality of their possession and taking that possession into the attacking half, creating opportunities and scoring goals, which is something that I guess we take for granted from Manchester City, but it just hasn't happened all that often. And when they are creating goals, they're doing that in sacrificing their defensive shape. And that's when they get in the back and forth and they lose control of matches. They have to get back to controlling the game with the quality of their possession and the quality of their movement. They do that, Manchester City wins this league. If not, then it does open the door to who I think should be the second favorite, Liverpool. Oh, we'll get to Stevie in just a moment. I want to know who Frank thinks are favorites. Who are your favorites for the Premier League title, Frank? Uh, I still go for City, but I, th I see a more open uh, and doubtful um, thought about, uh, about that title race. Because last season, you know, even if Arsenal was at the top and for a long period, you could feel that at a certain point City will be back. I'm not that sure. Liverpool is going to fight. Arsenal is more complete. And, and don't forget the villains. I mean, I, I, it's a surprise. And like you see Girona in, uh, in Spain, you know, surprising everybody, why the Villains wouldn't do the same in the Premier League? It happened with Leicester. It can happen. It happened with Lille again in Paris with the League One. So I want to hope that, you know, something can change and 
seeing Aston Villa um, fighting with the others, it's it's nice. It's nice, and and if he can if they can achieve something, that would be great. So City is still the favourites, but I think it's in a it's a real open open race. City are the favourites, but Liverpool are leading right now. Stevie in the table. Yeah, but I, I find it really difficult to separate the three of them. I, I don't think Villa's going to win it. I think it's between Liverpool, Arsenal and City. And I guess I guess the old line that we start the season with was, if you finish above City, you'll be Premier League champions. And I guess that line still today is, is how you should look at it. But I just I can't separate the three of them. There, there's no question. This, what we saw this weekend is going to continue till May. Because I don't think there's one of them is going to just take off and, and, and separate themselves. So, fortunately for us to watch, it's going to be exciting. If you had to put Dan's money on it right now. <laughs> oh, if it was Dan's money? Yeah. Uh, Luton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Just to make sure. Just to make sure Dan doesn't get it. Okay. Chelsea's woes continued as Everton beat them 2-0. Abdoulaye Decore scored the first in the 54th minute before Lewis Dobbin, the 20-year-old academy graduate, scored his first for Everton in the 90th to further secure all three points. We'll take a look at the bottom half of the table in the Premier League, just to kind of highlight that fact as well, if we may. And <laughs> there is Chelsea in 12th rank. Why are you laughing, Kay? No, I'm not laughing, obviously. That sounded like you were laughing. remember that Everton have had a points deduction and <laughs> they are out Lisa of the chuckle. relegation zone as well with that. Okay, Frankie, when he did sign in for tonight's show, he had a very sad and sombre facial. Oh, no. We don't think it's because Barcelona lost to Girona. We think it's because something that happened today, perhaps to his former club, oh. Chelsea, has been playing on his mind. Frank, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I'm thinking that we are showing some highlights about Chelsea, where, in fact, we should be good the other way around. We should show the allies for Everton. Everton has 10-point deduction. Uh, they get the, those points back, you know. They could fight maybe for Europe, where we shouldn't talk about Chelsea. I mean, yes, it's my former club, <laughs> yeah. but really, really, this is so disappointing. It's the same story. They can't score a goal. They don't know how to fight together. Yeah, they have some players missing, but for the past two years, we're always saying the same thing. It's a mid-table club, uh, and we shouldn't talk about that club anymore. We should talk about what how Everton is, uh, is, is winning games after games, being good, and uh, if they get the 10 points back and go, go, go to Europe. But Chelsea, there is nothing there. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's again, a mid-table team. We're not able to win against, uh, against Everton. Uh, lost the last game. Um, too many defeats already, seven defeats uh, uh, in 16 games. Well, that's an average, average team, and that's what it is, and that's only being realistic. I would have to say something else, otherwise I would, I would be unfair to the other 19 clubs. Listen, credit to Sean Dyche and the Everton players right now, but we will continue to talk about Chelsea. <laughs> I mean, we have to, because Pochettino has also said that Chelsea must fight. sign more players in January to fix the many problems they have. Just a reminder, they spent £1 billion oh. over the past three windows, and it really does feel as though the pressure is mounting on Pochettino, Stevie. I don't, I don't think it's mounting on Pochettino, to be honest with you. I mean, you just got to look at the stats again from today. 70... Nearly three quarters of the possession of the, of the whole game, and they've got the ball. Is Chelsea. he right then to say that they need more players? Absolutely. In I mean, look, the, the defence, no question, should be tighter, and they would like it to be tighter.
But they've got to the stage now where when they lose a goal, the whole team's gone, oh, no, we're in trouble now. Because they know they can't score. <laughs> and, and, and it's happened so often that, that it's, you can't avoid it anymore. You know, we, we all go, well, listen, you lose a goal, so you should go, right, let's get after it. But when it happens time after time after time, it's like, it's like getting hit on the back of the head with a hammer. Eventually, you just give up. <laughs> and so every time they every time they go behind, eventually you just give up. How strong is your head? How many hits are you taking? I've heard a lot of hits. <laughs> eventually, everybody when they lose a goal goes, "Wow, we're in trouble. How are we going to get out of this?" Because it's still Pochettino in the face, and he's 100 percent right. They need to do something with the with the front line because the amount of ball they get and the production from the amount of ball they get. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. The, 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 I mean, Pickford wasn't even under any pressure. I mean, that is ridiculous. To be able to have 70, nearly 75% of the ball away from home at a place like Everton and not even really test the goalie, then you, know, you can see what the problem is. And Pochettino, for me, is absolutely right. If he gets what he wants in January, then, is he the man to turn it around, Frank? I don't think so. I mean, uh, when he signed, and he has to take responsibility for the decision that he made, uh, tr uh, accepting the, the, the role and, and saying, OK, I'm going to try uh, to do something with the players. But we all knew at the end of the season that that would be the same thing because they went into something that it's unbearable to, uh, to resolve. It's impossible because, because you sign too many young players who are talented but inexperienced. You got rid of uh, the experienced players. Now you want to do the trading business. So it's going to take a time, but you have to accept the fact that you're not able to play like the others or like you used to play. And that's something for me, it's impossible to resolve right now. And it's going to take years before Chelsea is back to maybe what we saw before. But as long as they play, they take and they employ only young players, they're going to face that. Because the pressure from the fans, the media, because Chelsea, of course, shouldn't be 12th. Uh, is, is going to be huge and it's going to destroy everybody. Leipzig, it's another club, uh, or Salzburg, you know, they built something like that, but they were under no pressure. They had the time to build that and, and, and they got the, uh, as we say in France, the fruit of, uh, of what, they, of what they, they, they seeded. But really, Chelsea, it's not, it's not, it can't last long. People are going to get upset. With the billion that they that they pay, they're gonna buy people in January. Where in the middle of the park? So you're gonna put Caicedo, 100 million, and Enzo Fernandez, one other 100 million on the bench because you're gonna buy players. No, they're gonna play. So you're not gonna resolve the problem. Well, what what possible good would it be to get rid of Pochettino, though? I mean, Frank's Frank's just said there that we've got too many young players and they need other players. I mean, that's what Pochettino's saying. So surely getting rid of Pochettino isn't, isn't going to help at all. No. How does that help? Agree. Don't just be saying old story. No, I agree, I agree, with, I agree with TV. I think, I think it's, not, it's not the point. It's why, it's why at the last, last season when I say, would, would you accept the job? No, because you cannot resolve the job and you can take anybody. You can even take Pep Guardiola. Well, maybe not. Maybe he can do a miracle. But... Pochettino is doing what he can with the player that he has. And, and that's the, the main problem. Like you cannot resolve the problem because you got rid of what is important in life overall is 
the experience. And it brings many, many things with the wisdom, the, 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 the tightness, uh, the, 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 the thing that you're going to work together, where now we see one good player with one good player with one good player with one good player, but not a squad, not a team. So it doesn't work. Of all the things that Frank said there, I think the one that resonates the most with me is that this is not a short-term problem for Chelsea because the players that oh, they sure. have signed, they have signed for seemingly a thousand years. It, they're all long-term deals and long-term contracts. And so even if you're trying to get rid of players, then you have to be willing to take losses and it's major losses on these players because the other teams around the world, other clubs around the world, know your situation, know your desperation, and know the fact that you have given all these long-term contracts that are impossible to buy yourself out of. Unless, of course, you take a major loss. And so it, it's not just one long-term contract that is a problem. It's, it's decision after decision after decision. And so when you think about Chelsea and you project into the future, it's not like, hey, we buy players in January, we're going to be okay. Not quite. You, it may be January, it may be summer, it may be the other January, it may be the other summer, until you start finding a core group of players that you can actually trust to put out on the field. And how do you go about doing that? Then you have to make smart decisions. And what we know from Chelsea, because it's what we have seen, have they made smart decisions? No. To trust them to make smart decisions, that's a major problem. And that's indeed why I think this is not, hey, let's fix it in January. It's not going to happen. That's not realistic. Well, there's going to be more talk about Chelsea on Extra Time. Frank, Stevie and Ali will be on the latest edition. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel to always keep up to date with the Extra Time playlist. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The Super Match Day continued in the Bundesliga with two of the standout sides facing off Stuttgart, taking on Bayer Leverkusen. It was Stuttgart who hit first through Chris Fiore, and then Florian Wirtz would find the equaliser in this game. It finished 1-1 with Leverkusen maintaining their unbeaten record and going four points clear of Bayern at the top of the table. 
But in terms of this game, there have been two of the standout sides of the season. What did you take away from it? Well, the first half was all about Stuttgart, and they were really impressive. Their possession, their control of the ball was really good. They were creating opportunities, putting themselves in really good positions, but not putting Leverkusen away. So for all the half chances they had, for all the good positions that they took, they didn't put the game away. And then the second half, there was a true reaction from Bayer Leverkusen. Early on, they scored the game time goal. They were better with their possession. They were getting better with the pace of the game. And then you started finding Florian Wirtz getting involved and Boniface getting involved and Patrick Schick comes off the bench and Jonas Hoffman coming off the bench. And you start seeing the resources of Leverkusen and how good they can be in the attack. This was indeed, as you just mentioned, best case scenario for Bayern Munich, who must have been saying to themselves, we were destroyed. And I mean embarrassed and destroyed and humiliated. But we only lost one point to both of these teams. And that, I think, is the takeaway from this match. As good as Stuttgart was in the first half and as good as Leverkusen was in the second half, they both, but in particular Bayern Leverkusen, missed out on an opportunity to create some true separation between them and Bayern Munich, which we assume, and I suppose it's a risk to assume that, having seen their performance yesterday, but we assume that they're going to be better. And we assume that they're going to go on a run. And when they do that, has Leverkusen created enough of a separation? That'll be the big question. Yeah, and remember, that's a long-time story. If the teams around can take advantage when mm -hmm. Bayern fail, and, uh, yeah, Bayern maybe won in one way in the end mm -hmm. this weekend, even though they lost big time. This is the upcoming Bundesliga schedule. We will see the response that we get from Bayern. They are up against Stuttgart on mm -hmm. Sunday. What a game that could be. Also, Leverkusen taking on the Frankfurt that did just put five past Bayern Munich, lots to look forward to in the Bundesliga this weekend, all of which will be on ESPN+. Plus. The German Cup draw, the DFB Pokal Quas final draw, was also made in Dortmund. And look out, Borussia Mönchengladbach, oh. mm. because you've got giant oh. killers Saarbrück and the third-tier side who have already knocked out Bayern Munich and Eintracht Frankfurt. So best of luck to you. <laughs> we'll see how it all goes. Bayer Leverkusen facing Stuttgart again as well. That's been one of the big tales of this draw. Uh, you can also catch the Pokal right here on ESPN+. Big congrats to the Columbus crew who beat LAFC 2-1 in yep. the MLS Cup 2023 final. It is their third MLS title. Their first was won in 2008. Man named Ali Moreno <laughs> in the side and on the score sheet back then as well. Deserved for them, Ale, sticking to the principles and getting the, getting the rewards for it. <laughs> well, I, I do think it's deserved from the Columbus crew in that, and, and Stevie knows this as well, having coached in the league, that if you get on a run in the playoff and you generate momentum in the playoff, you carry that momentum all the way to MLS Cup, then more than likely you should be the favorites coming into the game. And the Columbus crew have been that. They got hot in the playoffs, and but it's not by accident that they get to the final. They beat Orlando. They beat FC Cincinnati, the Supporters' Shield winners. They went through the gauntlet of all the top teams in the Eastern Conference, and they beat LAFC in the final. And so if there was ever a deserved championship, this is it from the Columbus crew perspective. And I just have to say, just, just overall, having played in Columbus, having lived in Columbus, my, my youngest was born in Columbus, and I have a, a real connection with the city of Columbus, don't forget, and, and, and people may forget because it's, it's sort of news from the past. This organization, this franchise, was on the verge of being moved away from Columbus. On the verge, close, as close can be. New ownership group comes in, and then they save, essentially, the Columbus crew. 
and what have they done? Not just sit back and, 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 and just kind of say, well, look, we've done enough. We saved the team. They're saying here in Columbus, no, no. It's a new training facility. It's a, it's, it's a new stadium. It's the new resources that are put into the club and into the organization. It, it, it's a new investment that you put into players and into growing the Columbus crew into a significant and important brand in Major League Soccer. What a job they've done. They won MLS Cup in 2020. They won MLS Cup 2023. And now we just saw the list of teams that have won multiple MLS Cups. Yeah, the Columbus crew sitting there with three in one of the best organizations currently in Major League Soccer. The only thing that was missing in the dressing room celebrations was ah, Ale well, Moreno. But, you know, have responsibilities. Uh, <laughs> Great to see though, Ale. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is a combination of a year of work and on what is the best feeling as a player. It doesn't get any better as a player than that moment right there. When you know you've won it, when you know you've done the job, you've achieved the objective, you've done it at home, and now you're in your locker, guess what? Winning, celebrating, having a drink, having a, <laughs> having a moment, a <laughs> moment that you share, a, a moment that you share with the people that have gone through it with you, and those are your, your teammates, the coaching staff, front office. This is a great moment for the Columbus crew. That is the moment, Stevie. It doesn't get any better. Winning. Mm -hmm. doesn't, it, it, it's the sweetest smell and the sweetest, that champagne, Tastes great. Especially when you didn't pay for it, right? Well, that's always a bonus. <laughs> oh, massive congratulations to the Columbus crew and Ali Moreno. Hey, let's go, crew. All right, uh, Liga MX Love you, America crew. have Love you, crew. Oh, we're talking the, about somebody else? Yes, yeah, to the final here. We've got the second leg coming up between Tigres and Pumas. You can catch that tonight and you can hear the guys talk all about that on the next edition of Football Americas, as well, of course, as MLS Cup. The guys were both there to witness it. Girona, sole leaders in La Liga after beating Barcelona. Let's get it back to our feature game by hearing from Gemma Soler, who spoke after the game to Daily Blind from Girona. But first, Robert Lewandowski. You managed uh, to have the, the chances in the last uh, two games. Today you had a lot of chances. What is your analysis? Yeah, sometimes uh, when we are in the box that, that we have uh, some options that to, to, to be more calm, to play um, one, one more pass to, some, to someone who is even in the clear situation. But like, you know, it's, uh, of course, it's like uh, it's something wrong. It's nothing wrong, you know, that we all, all, of, that, all of us want to try to, to, to do, score the goal, to, to, to show our best. But uh, I'll say today was like uh, wasn't our game. And uh, we try our, our best, but it was uh, very, very difficult. And we, we try to fight till the end, but it was uh, definitely too less. You're one of the players with more experience of this team. Do you think this team has uh, the thing that you need to, to turn this situation around? Of course, we have uh, a lot of uh, very good uh, players with the quality and uh, we have to improve that in the next game and I hope so that next three games we, we're going to win all, all of the games and also we finished this year with the, with the three, uh, we have three games, also one Champions League and two La Liga, so I, I hope so that we win all of them the games and also we're going to play uh, good football and uh, yeah, in the end we, can, um, we have to try, we have to think positive, the, the season is very long and uh, yeah, we have to try fix it what doesn't work today. We have to try analyze what we did wrong, what we could um, do better and uh, try to prepare for the next games. Can you start talking about winning this title? 
I don't know. I, I leave that up to the manager. It's not up to me to say. Uh, I live game by game, and uh, then we see where we end in the uh, in the end of the table. But you are one of the players with more experience in in this team. Um, do you think this team is strong enough mentally, physically, and has all the resources to to manage to to fight for for all titles? I don't know. It's it's such a long road. Uh, we are still uh, not even at the half time of the of the season. We are almost there. Uh, but of course, we're doing very good. We have a good group. Um, we have a lot of quality. But I think the strength of the dressing room is of the strength of the team is the dressing room. I think uh, it's really a great team to be to be part of, and um, I'm really enjoying it. And like I said, um, I don't want to put any pressure on the team. We see where it ends, and we fight every game. Gemma Soler is with us now, pitch side, and actually from the Barcelona region too. So perfect person to talk about what this actually means. Tell us about what the atmosphere was there, was like there afterwards, Gemma, and how big a story this actually is in Catalonia. Well, it's an amazing story. I think uh, Girona fans and the team, they are still uh, finding it difficult to believe what they are achieving because uh, it's, it's a young team with a young history. Uh, they, at the beginning of the season, they had like four of the top players uh, went away to other teams with more money and they managed to reveal themselves. They, they did so well in the transfer market. They, they managed to get brilliant players and I think that Mitchell is melting this uh, team together oh, so well that uh, I mean it's the team who played with more self-confidence that I've seen in this stadium uh, and they play so well and so offensively and they believe so much I think the Miguel goal the for the 2-1, that uh, fullback that managing to get that quality uh, goal, it's uh, uh, what reflects of this of this team it's an amazing story, no one is believing, everyone is saying when they are gonna fall out and they are not they keep doing it and I think that they are starting to, to put the Leicester face every every day more. Even though Mitchell said, uh, we're going to be in another dimension if we win this game. Uh, he has just said that let's talk in the match day 26. It's a little bit too early to talk about being uh, La Liga winners. Gemma, thanks so much for being with us today. We'll let you go and get some rest. We know it's been a long night for you, but obviously loads of talking points for us in La Liga, particularly after that result from Girona. Top of the table right now in La Liga, and not for the first time this season. Rayo Vallecano taking on Centre Vigo. Tomorrow we'll round out the match day. You can catch that game at 3 Eastern on ESPN+. And the next match day coming thick and fast, picking back up on Friday. Make sure to be with us in English and in Spanish on ESPN Plus for all of these games ahead. Valencia taking on Barcelona on Saturday. Our coverage will begin at 2.30. Real Madrid against Villarreal at 2.30 on Sunday. And then Girona playing Alaves at 3 p.m. Eastern on Monday. Some classic encounters there next weekend for you to feast your eyes on. OK, in the Serie A, this is how things are looking after Roma played out a 1-1 draw with Fiorentina, a game in which Romelu Lukaku scored and was sent Lukaku? off. Lukaku? And, uh, yes, we saw that moment where Lukaku was sent off, and I don't think he can have too many complaints about that. There'll be a lot more talk about how the weekend played out in Italy on the Gabon's Jewel Show. The latest edition will drop on Monday. Make sure to catch that wherever you do get your podcasts. Big game tomorrow on ESPN Plus when we look at League One. It is Portsmouth taking on Bolton. You can see that these two teams first and second in the table right now with just three points between them. Make sure to catch that top of the table clash 
Monday 3 Eastern on ESPN Plus. And then the championship back with us with Sunderland against Leeds United on Tuesday 3 Eastern on ESPN Plus. Make sure to be with us for that one. Well, that will do it for the latest edition of ESPN FC, but we do have extra time on the way and Frank Leboff returning to answer your questions. He doesn't want to talk about Chelsea. He'd just like to talk about the job that Everton's been doing, OK? All right. Yeah, okay. stick around. Extra time on Love the way. Good luck with that. Yeah. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Had a few problems with the printer today. You, you, I'm not even going to send you in, well, no, I, in I your can lightning pace. Oh, you can fix I, it. I'm I'm I mean, fix I've, it. I've got the email. No, no, but I'm going to fix it. Look I got my speed. I got my speed. I'm going to fix it. Why didn't you offer? I'm going to fix it. Beg your pardon. I'm quite <laughs> comfortable where I am, if you don't mind. <laughs> hey, let the young whippersnappers get You're, you're right, Stevie. Don't worry. Don't yeah. stress out. Yeah, come on. Come on, whoop a snapper. No yes, danger of that. Lovely yes, Frank Leboff is with us. As There's well. a lot of stuff printing, but I don't see the question. There's a lot of printing. I know the first question anyway, so let me get started. Which team has the better squad? Chelsea or Manchester United? Frank. Oof. That's a crap. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Can I say none? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to answer to that. I think uh, what we saw from Manchester United against Bournemouth was was appalling and it's the same with Chelsea overall, I would say. So I don't want to talk to and and spend the time talking about those teams who are really don't deserve it in, in a way. Uh, okay, and, what uh, does Frank want to talk about? Uh, <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about anything. Uh, I want to talk about something, Ali. Ali, I want to talk about something. I want to congratulate first for, for uh, Columbus Crew, Thank your you. former team. Congratulations. And I want to ask you, why why do they play the final uh, at Columbus? Why don't they play the, the final in a neutral location? Will be more fair, I would say. No, because you're, you're giving importance to the regular season. And so Columbus would have finished higher with more points than LAFC. And so therefore, Columbus would have the home field advantage because otherwise you gain no advantage from being better in the regular season. It would all just be about the playoff. This gives some importance to the regular season and therefore it allows the Columbus crew to host the final because they were better in the regular season than LAFC. Should you tell them about Toronto as well? Fair enough. Oh, well, and that, and that came about really, Frank, because there have been times in which they have played in neutral sites and years and years and years ago, they played a final, I believe it was FC Dallas against Colorado in Toronto and Toronto was essentially frozen at the time and quite frankly it was an awful spectacle and so they try to find ways to uh, reward the the performance of the teams in the regular season so that again all the I should all, 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 we wouldn't just pay attention to the playoff you would have to pay attention as to what you did in the regular season as well okay. Stevie who's got the better score? okay Chelsea or Manchester United? So, I'm going to take this question as, which team would you rather be on right now? Okay. And I think I would rather be on the Chelsea team because I can't imagine how bad the atmosphere must be in Manchester United. Walking out there. Yeah. Just, just driving into the car park thinking, oh, this is going to be a long day again. But at least Chelsea, <laughs> yes, they've got a lot of younger guys, so it'll be, it won't be quite as dour and 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 I don't I don't think the 
the pressure would be the same, they'll all be disappointed. But I think there'll be a better atmosphere at Chelsea. So I'd rather play for Chelsea right now. So you're going to go for Chelsea? Yeah. And I don't, obviously, Stevie, you run a team, so you know better, but the importance of the coaching staff in situations like this, yeah. of, of the assistant coaches, of being able to communicate with the players and to make sure that the players know that this is not a funeral. Right, that this is this is not a death march here. That there's still a season to be played, and hey, let's get excited about today's training session so that we can be excited about tomorrow's training session. So we we start building a sense of of, of group of of hey, if we're all in this together, and the only way that we're gonna get out of this is together, and you make sure that the team does not become fractured. And while it's important to have that from the players, I think it's critical right now, assistant coaches and the coaching staff that they're able to monitor this and manipulate in some ways, manipulate the group so that they start believing in themselves. What is, so, go on. You, you, people always ask you, you know, who do you, you know, when you're manager, who do you take after and who do you, who do you take all your stuff from? Well, you take stuff from everybody. And, and what Ali was talking about there, I took from Ron Atkinson because I was at Sheffield Wednesday and I think we were fifth bottom. We were in the relegation battle. And Big Ron came in, and every day he came in, he had a smile on his face, and when he was talking to everybody, and it, 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 it's infectious. And as much as we were in a, in, a, in a relegation battle, I actually forgot about that sometimes when we were training, because we were actually just playing and, and actually enjoying what we were doing. And no surprise, we ended up getting out of the relegation battle. We didn't get relegated in the year. And so, so, it, and so if I, I, if so I, I hit you... Over, when I took over the Revs, we were rock bottom. And I did exactly the same. You know, we would be in the coaches' room, myself and Paul and, 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 and all the other staff, and we'd be like, right, I'm telling you, when we go out this door, you get a smile on your face and we get everybody going here. Because unless, unless we can lift them, it doesn't matter how good we are, whether we've got good players or, or what, we need to make sure that everybody's actually upbeat. And so that's what we did. Open the door, out you go. Hey, you get a smile on your face. And that was it. And I got that from Ron Atkinson. Absolutely, 100%. Mm. Well, we know you didn't get relegated. <laughs> but what was the position you finished in? Higher than you were? Final. Own? We got to really? the final that year. Yeah, they got this to the final. Yeah. So it's all about being so happy. <laughs> well, it's, it's about an attitude. Change the attitude. You don't, you don't always have to have the best players to win. If you've got a group that's got a great attitude, a great spirit, want to play for each other, then that'll, that'll overcome a ton of things that might go wrong on the field. You know what, it's, what did you want to say, Frank? Well, you know, I feel, and it's funny because I'm following a, a TV show called Ted Lasso, and with the American <laughs> coach, you know, being so optimistic with his uh, assistant coach called Beard, that might be the, the solution of uh, Chelsea and or Manchester United. Because that's what I feel too. I mean, even the medical staff, you know, when you sometimes don't play or sometimes wonder some stuff, you have the tendency to go to the medical staff and when while you're having a massage, you talk to the, to the physio and you, you express, you know, uh, and, and put out what you, what you feel. That's very important. And I totally agree with Stevie and, uh, and, and also Ali. It's uh, how you manage to, uh, to um, to cope with the, all the problems that you have inside the dressing room and make sure that the atmosphere, the good atmosphere is still there and you can, uh, you can keep on working to make sure it gets better. 
Are you a Roy Kent or a Jamie Tartman then, Frank? Oh, I'm more, uh, oh, I, I don't remember the name, but I'm more on the uh, the, the captain. Yeah, Roy yeah, Kent. Roy Roy Kent. Kent. Okay. I love Roy Kent. <laughs> no, I hate Jimmy Todd. <laughs> Oh, Jimmy Todd, I want to, I want to slap him. I want to slap him. <laughs> Stevie? No, I was just going to say that. You were going to ask him no, the same question. I wasn't question. going to ask about Ted Lasso, but I know that he was going to say something. No, but what Frank was talking about there is true. That, I mean, that's exactly when I was, again, when I was a head coach, all the, all the other staff, like the masseur and the physios and all of that, are a huge resource for you to find out what's going on and how people think. Because as Frank says there, when you go for a massage as a player, you're not you're not thinking that they're part of the coaching team or mm. so so you kind of confide. All the players confide in them and talk to them, tell all the things. And every now and again, I just I just call the masseur in and say, hey, how's it going? Any any anybody get any problems? And he would he'd either be like, no, everybody's in good shape, or well, he's not that great about that. But, but. so it's a it's a real it's a source of, of figuring out what's going on in your dressing room. All the, all the staff that the players think are kind of on the periphery are actually right in the middle of it. But, it's like, but you have to be on the ball as the manager, knowing Aye. all these little You things, need to right? know all that it's stuff. A, it's, it's a perfect setup for the next question. Who gets sacked first, Ten Hag or Pochettino? Eric Ten Hag. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm -hmm. OK. Who is more likely to win the yeah, league? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go on then, Frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I don't know. I'm with the yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's more, who's no, more likely no, to ten, win the league? Girona oh, or Villa? Girona or Villa? Yeah. You know what? I want Girona to win the league or to be in the top four because I want to see how it works for that team and for their fans to know that they can't play the Champions League because Manchester City is going to play the Champions League. And everybody has to know that. Girona belongs to Manchester City and two teams with the same owner cannot play the same competition. That's going to be very interesting. So I want to see that, but uh, of course Girona, I think, is more capable because they're already first um, uh, more capable of winning the, the, the La, Liga, La Liga than the Villa winning the Premier League. What a Scrooge. I hope we see that just so I can see that they won't be able to play in the Champions League. Girona or Villa? Girona. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's... I mean, it goes against everything that we know about La Liga, that a team like Girona wins it. And it would be, I think, it would be a kick in the backside to the big boys. You can go about doing this a different way and still be successful. And, and what a message would that send in Catalonia, that Barcelona are looking up to Girona. Are you ready for your worlds to collide? <laughs> uh -huh. Girona or Leverkusen? Girona. Ooh. Girona. I, I, I think it's still a, a, a better story. Although Leverkusen would say, well, hold on a second, but the recordmeister here, Bayern Munich, have been winning it for life. Uh, but I, I still think Girona and, and what it represents. It's, uh, I think it's, it's, it's football play back to a different era and back to a different time where if you put a team together that has enough talent and enough, enough willingness to work for each other and believes in a common idea and has a good dressing room and a good locker room and a coach that truly believes in the players, then you have an opportunity to compete and not only to compete but to win. Uh, it's, uh, again, it would be a very good message to everybody in La Liga and really across Europe. 
Stevie, what was Xavi thinking playing three centre-backs against three attackers of Girona? How does a coach refresh himself in this situation and prevent himself from overthinking? Hmm. It kind of smells a little bit of arrogance to me. Because, <laughs> because every, from what I know of football, from being a kid, from, from what every coach told me, as a schoolboy, as a professional, defensively, you have to have a spare man. Otherwise, mm. you're gambling. So, was he was he that arrogant to think that we'll just have three against three because we're Barcelona? I mean, I, I, that's the only thing I can think of because it goes against everything. You always have a spare guy. So. Playing 3v3 makes no sense. In fact, I would take I would take the question a step further. I don't know whether they were playing 3v3 because I don't know what Barcelona was trying to do with their defensive shape. At times it looked like a 3v3. At times it looked like it was 3v2 with Girona coming in the attack and two trailing Barcelona players. Whenever Girona got out in transition, there was no shape to Barcelona. The team was broken and that got exposed time and time again and credit to Girona that were able to find that spare man that Stevie was talking about. They were able to find that spare man in attack. They made the correct decision, scored the goals and deservedly won the game. Ale, rank these strikers from best to worst. Okay. Martial, Joselu and Jackson. Martial, what's he doing in there? Oh. Is that... Is, yeah, there's only one Martial, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, there's only, yes, yeah. only one. Yeah. From best to worst. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to take this from the perspective of who I would play. I'm, like, I'm going to take Jose Lu above the, the other two. I think I, I can get something out of him in a specific role. I have no idea what I'm going to get out of Anthony Martial, and honestly, I don't trust him. And at least Jackson is going to run. So I'm going to say Jose Lu, Jackson, Anthony Martial. Do you want? Do you want to get in on this one, Frank? No, <laughs> but I agree with Ali. <laughs> okay, you agree with you, Stevie? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, all right. 100 percent. All right. A Craig, Spanish teacher says for Ali, who finishes higher, Venezuela or Mexico? Yeah, I imagine this is Copa America. Why? Well, is this a real question? Oh, come on. Vamos Venezuela! <laughs> Come on now. And you know what I'm going to enjoy the most here is... Are they the same? They're in the same group, right? They are in the same yeah. group, yes. Who, who else have they got again? Remember? Ecuador and Jamaica. All right. Mm. Problem is... There is a problem. It's not, for, it's not until... Correct. If it, be, if it was tomorrow, then Correct. I would be Don't with you. Don't ruin it, Stevie. Correct. I'm just being realistic. Yeah. But... but Let's just, let's just... It's kind of a heart attack, yeah. one of these days. <laughs> let's just, let's just, just point... Let's paint this picture, Stevie. You're going to enjoy this. You know how Seb hasn't picked a national team. He sometimes yeah, is no, in he's, Mexico, yeah, he's, sometimes he's with the United States, wherever direction the wind blows. He right? goes both ways. Uh, right? Okay, well, here's the thing. What if we can get the little angry guy, Seb, even more angry? To commit. Huh? Get him to commit. Right? that he goes and supports Mexico and Venezuela does what I want him to do. And we beat Mexico and Seb is miserable. 
That is a combo package right there. That is you, absolutely, without a doubt, appearing on Football Americas as well, just to glow. Uh, wow, wow. Yeah, you're going to get, you don't want to be getting. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I'll, I'll take that back. <laughs> He's like, oh, come on, <laughs> Mexico. <laughs> Let's go, Mexico. All right. I mean, you're no, busy no, enough, aren't you? You've you got enough on your plate. You don't need to go I just don't want to be with Seb anyway. <laughs> Frank, Krispy Kreme just opened its first store in Paris this past week. Will you brave the elements and long lines to partake in a sumptuous glazed donut? Surely a Krispy Kreme donut is a better option than anything the French can offer for pastries. Wow. Oh my God. What well, is kind of an insult what I just uh, listened to, you know? You are saying that American had discovered the beauty of, uh, of uh, pastries and doing better than the French. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, well, my dear Andas, you know, I don't even know who Krispy Kreme is. We don't have that in France. I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know that the store they were opening a store, but they will have to fight hard. Yeah, we love donuts. We know we open to anything, and uh, we are happy to try them all uh, and to taste anything. But you will have to have some finesse, and I know by fact because I lived in the U.S. <laughs> That's not the best tool that I ever seen, you know. But uh, good luck <laughs> to Krispy Kreme in France and in Paris. Let's see how it works. We will see how hey, 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 let's, let's, hey, let's, let's not hate on a Krispy Kreme donut, though. I mean, I'm not, I'm not comparing it to French pastries, but let's not hate on a Krispy Kreme donut. I've never been on a Krispy Kreme. Never. Never. Okay, well, let's not, <laughs> let's not hate. That's all I'm saying. Hailed over, I've never been in one. Uh, I mean, this thing melts in your mouth. I'm sure you'd be open to it though, right, Stevie? We'll give it a go. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, well. You know, in the Krispy Kreme shops, when they have a new batch of donuts comes out, a sign gets on and says, hot donuts. And that's obviously for everybody, it's a message. It's time to come and get your donuts. I'm dead serious. It's easily blazed, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm dead serious. This is not, this is factual information. Yeah. Man, I'm the only one excited about Krispy Kreme. Yeah, you get yeah. all, you well, get you can get yourself to Paris if you want and get in the line. This is a very foreign crowd here. Krispy Kreme donuts, let me tell you something. It's melting your mouth. Some, good. Someone wants some freebies. Somebody yeah, wants uh, some You're not getting the sponsorship, Frank, that's for sure. Greg, uh, Greg's going to open a shop in Paris. If Greg's opened a shop in Paris, I will fly there myself uh, and get in line. Who's opening a shop in Greg's? Greg's. Look it up. Okay, Do they have donuts? They have a little bit of everything. Yeah. It's a pasty that you want. I thought you yeah. had said Craig's right. and I'm like, Burn? Oh, no. What? <laughs> what? This meat. is opening what? It's pastry, but it's meat with okay. and pastry. Ah. Yes. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's very good. Oh, good. It is very and good. It's always hot. They don't need a sign. Oh, no. hot. No. hot donuts, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I wonder if Frank ever went to Greg's when he was living in Greg's. London, cosmopolitan London. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for the latest edition of Extra Time. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. We'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again.